Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a one-year anniversary episode. Yay! I'm your host, Jason Farr. And I'm your guest host, Justina Sparling. Let's do this. Yes. <laughs> so uh, we are, as I mentioned, uh, celebrating our one-year anniversary. It's June 7th. Yes. That was the day that I launched the podcast last year. Hey, Prince. Hey, Prince. He's in heaven. Happy day of Prince. Uh, Dancing in the purple rain. Mm -hmm. Entertaining everybody. Yes. Uh, We uh, started this a year ago and keeping on. It's a great feeling to be one year in. And what we're going to do in this episode is reflect. I'm going to play a bunch of clips from episodes except for the episodes where it was you know just kind of like shooting the breeze episodes yeah. uh this is the one episodes where it was with guessed. me yeah i got you i got you, you well don't wanna... this episode is with it's you it's fine it's fine it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um but in fairness um yes uh, <laughs> it, is, it is pretty much the episode oh my uh, like the christmas episode thanksgiving episode yeah. new york episodes um I won't be able to make the uh, get the Charleston or the uh, DSI NCCAF episodes in, uh, just because it's kind of hard to like Me pick more, a I thing understand. out. I understand. I understand. Oh, I, I'm now talking to the audience. <laughs> oh, sorry. Explaining to them. Of course. Well, I imagine the audience is saying, "Me more, I understand. <laughs> I understand." Uh, <laughs> I uh, just want to say thank you to everybody who's listened and thank you to all the guests. Everyone has been great. Yeah. Uh, this episode is not just the little bit that I did at the end with everybody. I tried to find something that felt right to share from each episode, a little nugget of something that felt uh, like it was a good thing to single out and say, hey, here's uh, something from that episode that resonates with me still. So. Why don't we get right to it? All right. Here is the first episode with Tess Rafferty. The the comedy bug bit you uh, because of MASH, and then you went to college in Boston, and that's where you started doing comedy. I did. um, I... You know, I I was an acting major, and like I said, I I hated the roles for women, Mm -hmm. so I just started writing my own scripts, um, my own pieces that kind of ended up becoming, you know, a lot of which became stand-up, basically. A good bit of advice, I think, is a good example of someone taking the bull by the horns because they don't like the circumstances, and they went out and they created something for themselves. That's the big thing that I've learned in this year is that you got to create your own stuff. So get out there and create, and especially if you don't like what's already out there for you. Next up, sound advice from Corey Cavan on moving to a new town when you want to pursue comedy or anything, really. And then we got to Oregon and uh, (laughs) we were just like, oh, this is the town. Like we didn't really (laughs) like it that much, Uh, which I will say, like, if you're going to move to anywhere, you should like go spend a weekend or a week there first, (laughs) as opposed to packing up everything you own. That's a good idea. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't just pack up all your belongings and drive there with no backup plan. <laughs> I love that advice. It's a it's a good idea. Don't not have a backup plan. That's not the best way to word it. Next up, episode three with Kayla Milady. I like what she says here about having confidence in yourself. So let's cut right to it. What I'm also learning from you is challenge yourself, yourself, go out there and do it and Mm -hmm. show them that you can. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, It's awesome to believe in yourself, man. That's like one of those uh, inspirational posters. It's like a cat hanging upside down and it just says, it's awesome to believe in yourself. (laughs) Yeah. We should. Someone should mock up a poster of you hanging upside down with those words. Yeah, let's do it. I'll give you five percent for the idea, but I'm taking the rest. That's <laughs> fine by me. Yeah, fine by me. No, um, true, man. Like even uh, like with beatboxing. I remember if I told people like I'm gonna beatbox, they were like, "What? That is not a career path. Like, what are you gonna do beatboxing?" But um, like I started street performing, and you know, four years later, uh, I'm really blessed enough to be able to travel like go down to festivals meet people like you go to different places in the world and just perform and do what I like to do and I think it's one of those things where if you put time and energy into anything it's going to succeed it's just how you're divvying divvying your time so if you put all your energy into something it's going to grow and you're going to you know succeed in what you want to do great advice believe in yourself believe that you're awesome and put your time and energy into it Please, somebody put their time and energy into a poster of Kayla Milady looking like a cat upside down saying, it's awesome to believe in yourself. A great follow-up to that is what the Reformed Tours Katie and Marie had to say in episode four about fear. When I did finally meet Marie, everything was like in line, I think. The stars were aligned because I think mm-hmm. maybe if I hadn't been as confident about, you know, putting stuff out there at that moment, you know. Um, but I think that like, even if it's a dumb idea, if it's a little thing, it's like, just make it, just do it. Yeah. It's so, the fear of failure is so, um, so real and raw, but like, it's like, we have this one little life and you got to make the absolute best of it. So don't let fear get in the way of anything, of anything. And I definitely struggle with that up and down. Like, you know, you do get anxious and you do worry, like, you know, that are, are people going to find this funny or whatever, but like, you just have to go over that hurdle and be confident. And like, we're so lucky because we're in a duo so we can bounce things off each other and, 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 you know, what we put out there, but just do it. It's so exciting once you do. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think there's so much satisfaction in just going ahead and doing what you want to do and not waiting around like it's it just isn't like it was in the 80s and 90s where if you got to be well known for what you do then somebody will say hey why don't you pitch us an idea yeah yeah i mean it definitely helps you know and i mean the other thing though is it's like there's no rule to this game everybody you know if you're a doctor Mm -hmm. you go through medical school you do this you do that you become a doctor don't kill anybody great whatever but like uh, (laughs) exactly as a comedian like or as a performer in any aspect like there's so there's no rules and things keep changing and everybody thinks they know how it works and nobody knows how it works so yeah <laughs> just do you do what you want to do and then i think that's probably the best anybody can do you know these snippets are just a small dose of the great advice that all of the guests give in a full discussion and that episode was no exception you're going to want to go back and listen to that one if you haven't already the next snippet is from episode five with sarah highlander uh, I went to to college at the Art Institute of Chicago, and um, 
and I was taking, I was just doing like visual arts and taking performance and stuff like that. And then I met this girl named Daima, and Daima was like, have you ever heard of Second City? You should really try to do Second City. Like, I've seen you do your performance and stuff like that, but you might want to look into that. I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'll look it up. So I did, and I went over to Second City, and it's like that, like, I just found my people. You know what I mean? And so so I went to art school for two years, and then I went on to Second City. I love me some Sarah Highlander. I hope you do, too. This next one is from episode six with Jill Bernard, another one you're going to want to go back and listen to the whole episode of. So one of the things I'm amazed at is when I see really strong improvisers, um, I always think there's no way they were ever not that good. Uh, Yeah, I thought that too. And then my friend Nate is younger than I am. And he said, oh, yeah, I used to come see you play comedy sports when I was in high school. You are not good. <laughs> I'm like, damn, I thought I was. I can't even imagine that. <laughs> I can't either, because how would you perceive it from the inside, you know? That's kind of a weird one to share, but the reason I shared it was because what I learned from that little clip is that you really should get out of your head and not judge yourself, especially if you're starting out, because from the inside, you really have no idea how you're doing. You could think you're doing a terrible job and someone's going to come up and be like, that was amazing, and they're going to be earnest and genuine, and it's not that they have too low of a standard, it's just that they can watch you and they can experience you, and your experience performing on stage is different than the audience experience watching you perform from the stage as kendrick lamar would say be humble the next clip is from episode seven with josh gondelman one of the struggles i have in my my comedy when i try to write something about more serious stuff that's going on and i see other comics do brilliant work on the subject i almost i don't have a joke it feels like it's like here's an opinion (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to do that. I want to have a joke. Uh, I'm, I feel like sometimes I'm not the right guy for the more serious stuff. And I think that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, I think that there's, everybody has a different skill set and we don't all have to be the best at every kind of comedy and writing. And we, and it's, I think it's more beneficial to speak from your own point of view and like highlight voices maybe that, can better uh, speak to these other things than like trying to cover everything as like mm-hmm. an answer or a tourist. You know what I mean? Like, I think there are lots of, I'm not, I, like, there are lots of people that turn kind of depression and anxiety into like really beautiful, funny comedy. And it's like, why would I try, if, if that's not something that feels natural to me to write about or like relevant to my experience in an authentic way I, it, it seems like a more beneficial thing to do is to write the things that I feel strongly about and feel passionate about and feel knowledgeable about and let like you know people like Chris Gethard and Jacqueline Novak and Aparna Nancherla uh, uh, like show you know find ways to enjoy and appreciate their comedy and share that with people than, than trying to like do everything myself Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I need to give myself a little grace in some of these situations. I think that's absolutely true. There are so many things that it's like, well, I, I'm not the guy to write that joke. Or I tried, and but this other stuff comes really naturally to me. And sometimes that is 
I think there's a tendency to write off the thing that comes easily as yeah, like there is. not worthwhile. But I think on the other hand, sometimes what comes most naturally, what you really like to write about is like the stuff that is your voice. I love that he lets you off the hook at feeling that you have to be great at everything. There's certainly a few things that you need to be strong at, but don't feel that if you're not great at something that you're just the worst or something or that you're not good enough. You are good enough. The next guy, Douglas Whittick, episode eight, he talks about working hard in practice and refining skills. Don't confuse that with feeling that you have to be good at everything. Here's Doug. Uh, well, North Coast still works with a director in rehearsal, coach, and we push ourselves to not be comfortable in terms of always refining new skill sets. We do rehearse hard, but we rehearse fun. Like, we like each other. We walk in and it's like, oh, Jimmy Toots. Like, we like love to call each other dumbass names and everybody walks in. But I'll tell you this right now. If people are later than 15 minutes to rehearsal, I'm a dick to them. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend like it's okay to be consistently late to North Coast rehearsal. One, two times I've been late. We've all been. We've all been late. Life happens. I understand that. But there have been instances in the seven years we've been a team where someone's consistently late, and um, it kind of slid in the beginning. We let that shit go. But I'll tell you right now, dude, that if that happens consistently now, there's too much on the line at this point. And what's on the line is our quality. Yeah. And integrity. And integrity. And group mind comes from those times spent together. So as, as maybe like as, uh, what is it? You know, I, I don't want to be seen as like a because I do kind of manage the group. I have someone that helps me now, but because I kind of have seen as the figurehead of the group, I I'm the one that feels responsible if I see things slipping in terms of professionalism. I think that's one of the things that maybe came off in the split sider article is like, yeah, we rehearse hard, but we rehearse smart. And we rehearse like I treat. I just treat it like I would treat a show that I would want to be professional. So if it's good enough for an off Broadway show, or if it's good enough for a Broadway show, then why isn't it good enough for North Coast? I love that peek into North Coast process and just getting stronger and getting better. Speaking of getting better, and the last few clips, this is a really good follow up to going back from Jill Bernard to Josh Gondelman. All those things. I feel like really lead up well to this little snippet from the episode with Greg Tavares. Check this out. But to hear someone who's who's as strong on stage as you are say, you know, I wasn't at first. I worked at it. Uh, gives hope to people who are like, oh, I can I can put in the discipline, put in the hours to work at this and get better. Yeah, that that is the very fa- foundation of my belief about. Um, arts instruction, mm-hmm. you know, about about what the, the role of training or education plays in an artist's life, um, you know, and like I really don't like talent is this magical thing, mm-hmm. and but technique is a choice we can make. We can we can try different techniques on. We can try, like I, I've gone to and this is after I'm I'm 48 years old now. I've been improvising since I was 18. I'm 30 years in. After I was 20 years in, 
I went after I had a complete idea and view of improvisation. I took all these intensives with other schools of thought, mm-hmm. and and I did it purposefully because I wanted to. I was I wanted I didn't want to like break myself down and learn a new way. I wanted to go to each of these kind of luminaries in the field and see where I was aligned with them and see where they were perpendicular to me and learn what I could learn, build, build out parts of me that hadn't been built out yet. So I did a week with Keith Johnstone. I did a week at the annoyance. I did three levels of intensity at UCB, but this is, but I, and this is all 20 plus years in. I'm getting so inspired listening to these and reliving these moments. I hope you are too. The next clip is with Lindsay Calloran. She gives some good advice here. Like I didn't give up, but I was I was really surprised because I didn't have a lot of like a good sense of reality when it came to that. Which in some ways I think is good. I think it's good not to if you if you have too much uh too much of a sense of reality and statistics when it comes to certain endeavors uh you might not ever go after them <laughs> because it might just be too intimidating it's very scary and people don't want to fail at anything like people don't want to be a failure and so they would rather you know they would they they literally choose to just ignore their dreams like their deep down dreams because they know that the odds are really stacked against them. I mean, that's an age-old story. I know that sounds to some people like she's saying, be delusional about reality. I don't think that's what she's saying. She's just saying, don't let fear get in the way. That seems like a, a theme in this episode. Don't let fear get in your way. And you shouldn't. You really should not let fear get in the way. And what should you do instead? Well, Jared Harris has something to say about that in the next clip. <laughs> just have fun. Have fun with con comedy has to be fun for so long it wasn't fun for me because i was like oh my god i need to do this thing or i gotta do this thing or i need to get on tv more i need to do i need to get a television show. like all these different things and then as i just kind of stepped back especially when i moved back to atlanta i stepped back and i was like i'm not chasing comedy like a girl in seventh grade okay i'm not going to do that anymore because my life is more valuable than that and uh, I have too many other interests. So as soon as I just sat back and I just started doing comedies 100% purely for myself and my own enjoyment, it's great. Like, I'm just going to do comedy to have fun, and I'm going to do comedy on my terms. Life's too freaking short, man. It's like you have to, like, just have fun. I think it's just important just to be respected as a comic, and it's fun. And the main thing is it's fun. It has to be fun. If it's not fun... Then why, I mean, why would you be doing it? If it's not fun and you're doing it, then it can only literally be purely ego. That's it. It's the only thing that can be. I feel like that advice is apropos for any kind of moment, whether you are stressed out or depressed or just going through a writer's block. So this is especially good advice for people in the entertainment industry. But really, if you're in any kind of industry, having more fun makes things better. Here's some advice about approaching a career if you're starting in comedy from Mia Jackson. Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. Yeah, and and it's different for everybody. Like, Mm -hmm. it's because I know some people who, you know, right out of the gate, you know, got into some stuff. And then I know people who it took, you know, five years, it took 10 years, you know, for things like that to happen. And so for new people, I guess my advice would be perform as much as you can, write as much as you can. And when you do those things, 
record them, you know, and then also a big thing, and this is an adult learning principle that I learned, but um, like also know what kind of learner you are, because, you know, if you're a better audio person, then just, you know, tape your set so that when you're in the car, you listen to your set. If you're better visual, then record. And, and it obviously is good to do all of it. This next clip is from episode 13 with former head writer of Late Show with David Letterman and Tonight Show with Jay Leno, Joe Toplin. He gives some great advice and reassurance about being scared when you pursue a career in comedy. Everybody is scared. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's. I think yeah. that's a good thing for people to hear is that everybody really is scared. I mean, even the super yeah. talented people. Yeah, you have no idea whether you can do that job uh, until you actually have to do it. I remember I was I was nervous on, on Letterman, on Late Night with David Letterman. I was brand new to television, brand new to comedy writing, and, and eventually I couldn't pitch stuff that was in my submission packet. I actually had to sit in the office and come up with new stuff, <laughs> and I didn't know if I could do it. And yeah, you just, you figure it out and, and you, you keep writing and submitting and eventually you learn what works and what doesn't and, and how to do it. And, and hopefully you, you learn fast enough that uh, they keep you on. Yeah. It seems like uh, Mr. Letterman was even a little nervous from stories I've heard that he was maybe even a little scared too, which is fair. I, certainly Jimmy Fallon was scared the first night he did Late Night. He talks about it all the time. Sure, sure. So it doesn't yeah. matter how talented you are. You can still be a little scared and that's okay. Yes, yes, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, it, it does help to, to realize that everybody else is scared too. That's a great episode to listen to in its entirety. So go back and listen to episode 13. Keeping on the topic of being scared, this next clip is from episode 14 with Toby Morell, lead singer of the band Emery. I know he's not a comic, but listen, don't front, because that is the most listened to episode of the There It Is podcast. You can learn something regardless of who you are, but even if you're in comedy, from the episodes that are with someone from outside of comedy. Here, Toby and I talk about making the big move to a new city and how scary that can be. New York's a great city, but if I'm not doing comedy and I'm not making any traction and I'm not making uh, any traction as an actor or if I'm struggling just to get into UCB or whatever, it's going to be like a failure to me. Yeah. And I, I, I don't want that, you know, and it's what's the next thing after that? Like if that happens, that's right. Well, I mean, you got to tell yourself, though, if it's a failure right now, if you don't. You know what I mean? Like, it is a failure right now if you don't move. Like, right now, no matter what, like, the worst possible thing that can happen is you move to New York, you accumulate some debt, nothing works out, it's miserable and it sucks, and you come back in a year. That's the worst thing that can happen. Well, that's billions of people <laughs> have, have stuff like that where they had to move back home or, you know, like, I mean, it, worst case scenario for me, if everything falls apart, I make no money, everything ends, we might end up in my mother-in-law's basement, which is, it's embarrassing, I'll, I'll admit that, but who cares? I mean, seriously, that my identity isn't about what other people think about me. So if I'm trying, then I'm, you will look back on it. There's, there's no chance you're going to move to New York and go, oh, man, this just sucks. I hate it. It's going to be exciting. If you move back in a year from now, you're going to be basically where you're at right now. It's, you're not yeah. going to lose that much or anything like that. And, right, and, and I, I love so, this so community. So I think do it. Right. So yeah. I, always say, I always say move because it changes you and makes you better. People that don't move... A lot of times it ends up just, they just, all they hear is the same old, same old their entire life. Let me get real for a second here. There is something that listening to that episode reminded me, and it was what I said at the beginning about what would be a, a failure if I moved here. 
last weekend I was down in the dumps and kind of just like really sad because I felt like a failure. I felt like things were not moving at the pace or in the direction that they should be moving. And then I listened to that episode. And then this past Monday, I was walking to the Magnet Theater in the streets of New York City, which is an amazing experience. And I was going to go perform on a stage that I respected so much that one time when I was walking to my seat just to watch a show, the only place to step was on stage. And I told myself, no, not until you're invited to do you step on that stage because I'm a nerd. And it just dawned on me remembering this episode, this move is officially not a failure because I'm walking through New York City to go perform at an amazing theater. That's one of the great things for me about this podcast is I get this wonderful advice and it just keeps me in check and it's been a great experience for me. I hope you're learning this kind of stuff too. This next clip is from the episode with improv legend Sharna Halpern. I still can't believe that I got to interview her. I think the one thing I did right was I realized that even if I didn't have a lot of money, my people were my army and you're really strong with a lot of really good people around you who love the work and love the place right. who are willing to help with all their expertise. I've had people that were would design things, you know, for me, posters, brochures. I've had people who were really good on computer work when I wasn't. And, uh, people would say, Sharna, you can't take the money at the door because you know everyone and you're so nice, you let everybody in. So it's kind of like give, disperse <laughs> some of the responsibility to people, let people help you, let people think that it's their theater. That's good advice, even if you are not in the entertainment industry. If you are just working in an office and you have a team, that's some stuff that you can learn from right there about the type of people you should surround yourself with. This next clip is from the episode with Dave Stone, and he talks about the right attitude to have when you are performing a show. Building your reputation is very important, and I don't mean mm -hmm. what are your credits or who do you know. Your comedic reputation in the sense that um, you never, you always bring it. You always give 100%. And, and you know, granted, we can't control. <clears throat> Sometimes you bring it like a son of a bitch and you still bomb. You right. know, just some of those nights. But my point is you, you never concede to bombing. You never like, nah, there's still, you've seen this. You go to a show and there is nine people in the crowd. Mm -hmm. And then the MC, the MC brings up the next comic and he just stands there with his arms crossed. And just with this, this lackadaisical posture of like, nah, so thanks for showing up. There's only nine of you. Yeah. This show is going to suck. It's such yeah, an it's insult to the people who are there. Exactly. What about, yeah, it's not their fault that no one else is here. These people are here, so I'm going to give them the best performance I can possibly get. This next clip is from the Greenville Comedy Marathon episode, the marathon that is run by the Alchemy Comedy Theater and showcases all the comedy going on in Greenville, South Carolina. This was from a discussion that Harrison Brookie, artistic director of Alchemy Comedy, was putting on with delegates from different factions of the Greenville comedy scene. And this is a clip from one Meg Pearson. It's hard to be the first person in your community or in your mm -hmm. circle to do something, <laughs> yeah. it's much easier when it's like, oh, other people have done this. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be a part of that. That 
reminded me of one of my favorite lyrics from a Beatles song, which is, there's nothing you can do that can't be done, which for whatever reason I processed as whatever one can do is obviously something that can be done, so you can do it too. I just always processed that line that way. This next clip is from the episode with our buddy Aiden, Aiden Mayery, talking about what she learned in her time at improv theaters. I would say <laughs> it, okay, it was really, really, really good because it taught me the importance of creating your own content. Hmm. And like, and that's such a like thrown around phrase and so lame, but, but just to say like, oh, ma write a sketch, make it, it created a community. So I instantly had other people that were eager to make things mm -hmm. and we're kind of at my level. We're all kind of scrappy being like, we want to get seen and we want to do something like, let's do something together. Um, and that was great. It like really propelled me to make stuff. Uh, we hope to have Yaden back sometime, but her career has really taken off and we're so thrilled for her. So let's celebrate that. That's a very fun episode. One of my favorite episodes. So you go listen to that entire one. This next one is also a very good one to listen to in its entirety. But this clip is Jimmy Corain, the great Jimmy Corain, talking about being honest with your feelings. <laughs> Well, I think, and again, you know, it's something that I, I try to bring in my class, which is you, you speak it. I think jealousy, I think it comes out sideways on the stage. I did a wonderful show with Stephanie Ware from Mad TV. It was a mm, was really great. an early two-person improv show. And she is one of the best people I have ever improvised with. I mean, she is um, she's a, a brilliant writer a brilliant actor and a brilliant improviser. And she can bring the, those all together on stage. Mm. And I was so jealous of her talent. And it came, I believe, subconsciously, it came, it, it, it manifested on stage. Mm -hmm. Had I been in therapy, had I been able to, to talk about it with somebody and not feel shame about being jealous, I believe it would have been a better experience for me, a better experience for her and the director and the audience and so forth. But I was so unaware of it that um, I, I really think jealousy can, I mean, it, it can make you do crazy stuff and you, you don't even realize it. That was episode 19. Episode 20 was the New York trip episode. We don't have a clip from that one, but it's a fun little episode. So check it out if you get a chance. This next clip is from episode 21 with Rick Andrews talking about building team dynamic. But that what ended up being more helpful is like, all right, let's do something that's going to be fun and that like creates fun together. Because I think on a team, especially people have to learn each other's language of fun. They got to kind of learn how to have fun with each other. Exactly. Yeah. We're doing something together because that, that is what it is. It's totally. you're having fun together. You're doing something that is fun together and you're figuring out how you all work together and creating that fun thing. And I think the fun is the big part of it to me. Improv. Learn to build that team dynamic. It's not just for improvisers. Any place where there is a team dynamic, I think that principle transfers over in a really tangible way. So just learn how to work together, essentially. This next clip is from episode 22 with stand-up comic Joyelle Nicole talking about the silences on stage. But you have to get used to silence. Um, mm -hmm. Silence is one of those things that is going to happen no matter how big you are. You know, I, I've seen some of my greatest people that I look up to go through silence in their sets and they it doesn't affect them because they've done comedy for so long. So it's like I'm 10 years in at this point. I've dealt with a lot of silence. I mean, it could still jar me 
um, now, but I, I get through it. You know, you just get over it. And that's why you just get up as much as possible, especially when you're starting, because you just get, you have to get used to every type of situation. This next clip is with Zach Ward from DSI in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I had asked him for advice for young improvisers. Here's what he had to say. The, well, the advice you give to a young improviser depends on that young improviser. So for, for example, like if you're, if you're looking at someone who's nervous, who's questioning, they're seeing like great improvisers, they're, they're not sure if they're ever going to do uh, work at that level. Most of the work that you'll do as an improviser requires you to uh, be comfortable in your own brain, to not second guess the choices that you're making on stage and remove your ego both from the process of creation for that one show and to know that no individual show is going to make or break your career in comedy. Um, so one of the things at that, that sort of stage is having an understanding or an appreciation for the amount of connections and the amount of opportunities that'll just present themselves to you if you stay in the game long enough. This next clip makes a really good one-two punch from going from Zach Ward to Harrison Brookie. Harrison learned under Zach, and Harrison, as I mentioned previously, is the artistic director of the Alchemy Comedy Theater. And here, Harrison gives advice for the person who is no longer starting out in improv and they want to progress in their improv theater. Ask lots of questions. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, something I say a lot here is the squeaky wheel gets the grease in good ways. It's kind of a negative, but it's also positive. It's, I want to learn these things. Zach didn't ask me to teach classes. I said, right. I want to teach classes. Right. He's like, okay, well, here's how it works. Um, and I, I said, I want to coach. You know, I asked uh, who I think, Paula Pazdurka, who I think was the uh, associate artist director or, or had some title there early on, like, I want to do a, du a duo team with you, you know? Oh, yeah. And so you just kind of, kind of put yourself out there. Not everyone said yes. And uh, yeah, and just kind of from there, got kind of on their uh, Armando team, Mr. Diplomat, and learned a lot from there. And just, yeah, just trying a lot and asking a lot. And being comfortable if people say no. I think that's really important. People I think it's super important. All yeah. the time. And I'm like, no, or not yet, or <laughs> do these steps. And I think it's, if you ask kind of an uncomfortable question, as long as you're okay with an uncomfortable answer, then I'm totally fine with it. Yeah. Don't be afraid to get a no when you ask a yes or no question. Love that advice from Harrison. This next clip is from episode 25 with one of the co-founders of Theater 99 in Charleston, South Carolina, Brandy Sullivan, where I heard from another co-founder, Greg Tavares, in a previous clip. This is Brandy giving good advice for performance. I guess the only way you're funny is if you're funny with your partner, you know? So it's definitely, so for me, it's, it's about tr trying to make something funny with the person you're on stage with. So I guess that's where my focus is, is usually it's not, not about me as much as them, but dropping in that thing that we talk about here in classes about dropping in to the character. Cause when you drop into character, you're no longer yourself and you're not bringing any, uh, any of your personal stuff in. You're just playing in this, you know, make believe world. So I, I think that helps me. You're only funny if you're funny with your partner. That's good advice for you improvisers out there. Now, maybe you are pursuing a career in comedy and it's a solo career and things are getting kind of tough. Here is some tough love advice from Paul Mercurio and myself. And it's a really good clip. Paul Mercurio is a New York City stand-up who is currently working on The Late Show and he previously worked on The Daily Show. People take their own message away from it, I guess. But one, for, one is definitely like... Uh, 
it's it's something that you've got to really want because it's going to be painful in the at least in the beginning anyway you know right that's mm-hmm. very good advice i've heard that before and sometimes people they have their dreams being a rock star whatever and they don't want to lug equipment around yeah. you know they yeah. don't have to they don't have to be on the road and yeah. they'll say all i want is to be a musician well not really if you don't want to do that stuff no, there's a lot of stuff. I would stand, listen, I was working on Wall Street and I was standing outside comedy clubs handing out flyers to get stage time. Like the idea is you hand out flyers for an hour, they'll give you five, ten minutes of stage time. Mm-hmm. I would get stiffed on money. I mean, and I was working on one of the biggest law firms in the world. And the people that were controlling my life in comedy were people we, we would not have trusted to go get us sandwiches. Like, <laughs> and yet they had control over my life and that was the big adjustment, you know? Right. That was a clip from episode 26. The next episode was episode 27, the Thanksgiving episode. I do not have a clip from that one. It was just me reflecting post-election as some people in the creative community were down and out. And I was just talking about creating things when you are down and out. It's a good episode. Check it out. The next clip is from episode 28 with Molly Gaby out of the UCB Theater. She is a fantastic performer. And here she talks about what she wishes she had learned when she started out. It's not a bad thing to do. I think when you're first going through classes, I guess that is the time to have like a mental breakdown about who you are and what you're good at, you know, and because you're jealous of all the other people you see in your classes who things just come naturally to. But mm-hmm. the good news is once you're out of those classes and you find your group, no one else can do what Jason does. No one else can do what Molly does. So just dive into that after that. Right. And don't feel bad about just that's if you're so really good at being, Oh, yeah. That's I mean, that's. That's the number one thing I wish I would have learned earlier, just to be okay with what you're good at. Have some confidence in yourselves. Let's do that in 2017, y'all. Now, this next clip is from the episode with Brian James O'Connell, and he gives some good advice on improving not only as a performer, but as a person. The overall discussion was great. So that's another one that you might want to check out if you haven't already. Weirdly enough, I got this. This is a... uh piece of advice that I got from an Ice-T song called You Played Yourself, back in the old Freedom of Speech record, where he's like, it's this one line where he's talking about other MCs that don't have anything to talk about because they dropped out of high school. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, there's only so much you can rap. He's like, you f- I think the line is like, you flunk science, math, and history. You know, like, you know, uh, the idea of like, you know, drop science. Why not? Like, you're going to run out of things to say about cars and money and girls. What do you actually have to say? And that's... And it kind of goes back to another, you know, I, I brought that in with another piece of advice that Miles gave me and everybody. Uh, I think this is the first thing he says on the uh, Delmonic interviews, uh, that old, that documentary. The idea is the secret to being a better and more interesting improviser is being a better and more interesting person. And you have to you have to live life. You have to go and see things. You have to study art and literature and history and science and be generally inquisitive, not only of, uh, you know, book learning, but also of people learning, of being uh, generally wanting to know what's going on in other people's lives, being fascinated with what they do, even if they think it's boring. Moving right along here, our next episode is episode 30 with Mark Kendall, and he here talks about the relief you can feel when you don't get a role. Uh, so many times, like, if you do or do not get a role, it has, like, just nothing to do with you. Like, I, yeah. I, I watched it so many times where it was just like, uh, from my perspective or from someone else's perspective, 
and this isn't just like this show. I mean, I feel like this is pretty much any situation. This is anything. Yeah, so much of it is just, oh, you know what? They remind me too much of someone who's not who I envisioned for this role. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just like, I just witnessed so many things that were out of the performer's control, basically. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and so it was just like, oh, that was kind of like a relief. You know, like, it was just like, oh, okay. Um, And, uh, yeah, I think that was like a big takeaway from it. Mark is an Atlanta performer, and this next clip is with another Atlanta performer. It's episode 31 with Amber Nash, and she here talks about taking risks and how that can help you as a performer. And honestly, I think keeping the dream alive is just doing stuff that you're not always the best at that's the hardest thing for me because especially as an improviser when you get to a certain level and you're like I got this I can do all this stuff I know what I'm doing and so you can go out on stage and you can have a solid show and you know you can but it's not you're not like pushing yourself or trying anything new or you're not having an incredible show because you're not taking any risks and so mm-hmm. the older I've gotten and the longer I've been improvising I've had to really push myself to put myself in danger like like it used to be when we were younger improvisers and it was dangerous just because we didn't know what the hell we were doing (laughs) Um, right yeah to keep pushing myself and finding new characters and i think if you're a creator you just got to create always like if you're a writer you just got to write every day if you're an improviser you got to improvise in every way that you can and keep creating and so that's what i try to do as much as i possibly can skipping the next two episodes we get to an episode with philly improviser matt holmes and he talks about something that's a good piggyback off of the last clip in regards to learning as a performer people think you know i haven't learned the rules yet but you have so now it's easy for you and i don't think that's true i think it's it's always something that is hard yeah. and it's, you're just used to it being hard. Like I still get nervous before a show, but I'm not upset about being nervous anymore. (laughs) I've accepted that like, that's what improv is. Like I'm never, I'm never expecting, you know, for me to know everything on stage, for me to have everything fall into place. I'm expecting it to be work. Whereas people who are new, they expect that there's going to be some sort of switch that's going to flip (laughs) and they're suddenly going to be an expert at it. That's much more gradual and it's more about accepting (laughs) that you don't know what you're doing. We move on to a clip with the always funny Joe Zimmerman giving advice to the more established comedian who is moving to a city. It might immediately sound like depressing advice, but it's not really. Give this a listen. If a guy moves to New York from Chicago and he's established, it's not like New York is ready to throw a welcome party. (laughs) It's more like, it's more like, well, let's see if he sticks around and doesn't give up in six months because a lot of people move, move back. Right. That's interesting because it's not so much about seeing if they're actually funny, but seeing if they're going to stick around long enough to start making a commitment with them, right? Yeah, people people come and go so frequently that you have to put in a little time before people will warm up to you. 
I mean, it's like an abandoned, you know, a child that's been abandoned. <laughs> all of our friends, all of our friends move so quickly. We skip another episode. It was the Charleston Comedy Festival episode. We just can't fit everything in, but those are good episodes. So check them out if you haven't already. This next one is with improvisers and sketch artists from Charleston, Henry and Mari of Nameless Numberhead. They talk about working together as a couple. <laughs> The writing room is like super stressful where place. you're trying to be polite, you're trying to figure out how things work. You like like Mari said, you know, if you don't get the laugh from your audience of one, then it's like, oh, this idea is dead in the water. <laughs> All right, back to square one. Uh-huh. And then when we get all the pieces together, I mean, this just happened this week for the comedy festival because we wrote an entirely new show uh, this week and did the show last night. Wow. And by the time, it always happens. We get so stressed out writing it and putting it together. And by the time we put it on stage, we're having so much fun with it. And the audience is digging it that it's like, oh, well... Why do we stress? go through all that? Oh God, I would so work hard. the entire week before I, and just rather show up. Just on, show like, up it's and, so fun and, and then it's worth it. But before, it's like somebody was asking what the process was. I was like, well, just get as mad as you possibly <laughs> can at each other 45 minutes before the show. And make, sure you, <laughs> make sure you really dig into the semantics. Yep. Make, sure, <laughs> make sure when you're explaining yourself, you clap your little hands together like you're talking to a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Like, speak sharply, <laughs> sharply. Uh, and make sure they feel two inches tall, <laughs> and then have a great show. <laughs> It'll be fine. That's all you gotta do. Loved that episode. Love this next episode. Jaris Donovan is an instructor and improviser out of Raleigh, North Carolina, but she also spent a lot of time in both Chicago and Los Angeles. And while in Los Angeles, she worked on Two Guys, A Girl, and A Pizza Place. Here, she talks about an awkward moment she had with Ryan Reynolds. And then eventually it was just Ryan Reynolds and I standing. (laughs) And I remember... uh, saying like extending my hand because there was no one around but us and I'm extending my hand saying hi I'm Jairus and, and he's like oh I'm I'm eating a bagel and like refused to shake my hand <laughs> okay we're the only two people here and now you've created the most awkward moment of silence possibly in the history of man so yeah it was weird well, I think it's just you know, for him, it's like one other guest star you know one other mm-hmm. person that's here this week like they've got bigger fish to fry yeah, and I, I, but you know, he's one of those guys it. that people like to think is fun to be around. And that's not a story that sounds like that. But obviously. <laughs> but know. I think now he is. It I seems. Do. I, I do. Yes. It does and seem I, like the way you see him out and about now, it does seem like he's a more grounded celebrity. So that's, well, and you have yeah. to. I mean, I'm an empathetic person and you have to Me think too. he was very young mm-hmm. and very talented, mm-hmm. and um, I can imagine how that would how that would affect an ego. Listen, she's right. Now that entire episode is great for improvisers to listen to, but I want to talk about that ego thing and how it involves celebrity. If you got famous, you would probably act like a jerk. We all would. That's just natural. And here's the thing: we act weird about celebrities. That's why I included that clip. Let me give you a little follow-up to that story that Jira shared. A previous guest is currently a producer on a big show, and he recently, within the last couple months, worked with Ryan Reynolds. He could not stop raving about how great Ryan Reynolds was to work with. He said he was so nice, so easygoing, so humble. So what does this tell us? Ryan Reynolds, like everybody else, made some mistakes in his past. 
He grew up. We all grow up. But the thing is, we put celebrities on such a high pedestal that they have to live up to a standard that they can't possibly uphold. They're going to make a mistake inevitably. It's going to be public. And we lose our collective mind because we are holding them in too high of a regard. Instead, we need to look at them as people who can make mistakes. And when they do, we need to make those teachable moments, not moments where we write them off and shout them down. No one learns from that. And the only reason that we do it is because we're holding them at too high of a regard. It's not them that needs to change. It's us. All right, changing gears here. The next clip is from the episode with Devin Dugan, who runs a theater, an improv theater, out of California. And this is about the bittersweetness of running a theater. While this has been the most fulfilling thing, it's also been tragically the saddest as well, too. Mm. Uh, and I'll explain why. Uh, the most fulfilling thing for me has been the, the the people that have come into my life and I've gotten to know and work with and train and who have just become family to me you know um and then like i say the reason it's also tragically sad is because as the artistic director while these people come into the troupe and they become part of your life for so long and you're you know you're building such a great relationship of trust and communication and love with this person eventually they're gonna go off and do bigger better things or whatever but because you're the owner of the business you're the person here you're still here so they while they come in it's knowing that eventually they're going to go. And mm. I always wish nothing but the best of luck to them all because I want them to go off. And like I kind of see them as my children. I want them to go off and become better than I have ever been. Right. Be more successful than me. And it's, it's humbling and it's, it's a beautiful thing, but it's also tragically sad part of improv. What a tough dichotomy to deal with, but maybe knowing that it's natural helps you cope. Let's cheer things up with this next clip from episode 40 with Erica Rhodes. Just going to poke a little fun at myself here. Sometimes technical difficulties happen. Now, I was interviewing her. We were going on strong for like 20 minutes, and then I realized that it wasn't recording. So we had to start all over. So thankful for her letting us re-record that. She was very gracious in that. But what happened and what was not recorded was that I goofed in my research. I totally just missed that she was on Prairie Home Companion. I don't know why. I only saw her as a stand-up in my mind, and I somehow overlooked that she was on a Prairie Home Companion, which is a pretty big thing to miss. And so when we re-recorded, I poke a little fun at that, and that's why we're laughing in this clip, which is what you actually hear in the episode. Erica, I know uh, from having done really great research on you that you were involved with Prairie Home Companion. Homework. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were involved with that. She'd given me a hard time in the interview part that was not recorded for not knowing that she was on that. So I just really laid it on thick there. Another fun moment is this next one. We skip a couple episodes here. We skip the New York City one and the NCCAF episode for another fun moment. This is my favorite moment of the entire podcast. And it's with Susan Messing. When we're doing our interview, somebody calls her, and this is what she does. You know what? Why don't I? Why don't I play like I'm really young? Hold on. Okay. I'm gonna answer this. Let's see. Maybe I'll just be a message. Hey. Hello. 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 TV ratings calling. My name's Kim. My mommy. My mommy is. My mommy's in the bathroom. 
Okay. Is there another household member there that I can speak with? No, my mommy's in the bathroom. Okay, we'll call back at a later time. You have a good day. You have a good day. Susan Messing is a legend for a reason. I love that episode. It's a really great one. This next clip is from an episode I also love where I love all the episodes, but this one is a really good one because we get a lot of really interesting discussion in just an hour. And this particular moment is with Jeremy McClellan, a stand-up out of Charleston, South Carolina, and this is him talking about the patron saint of comedy. <laughs> So St. Genesius is the patron saint of comedy, mm -hmm. and uh, he was uh, a sketch – he was doing sketches, right, mm -hmm. like uh, for the emperor, for Emperor Diocletian, making fun of Christianity, which was being eradicated or whatever. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of the sketch, he gets like fake baptized, mm -hmm. and it works. Like it, he becomes a Christian on stage and uh, then uh, refuses to continue doing the thing, and then the emperor kills him. Oh, wow. So like he is so it's funny for two things. One is like he literally got murdered for like insulting the room, mm -hmm. which is something that like <laughs> like that is so like perfect for a comedian right, to yeah. worry to worry about. Um, but also it was like his first time. Uh, he, he his first good show. He he quit, um, <laughs> which is also perfect. Moving on to this next clip from an episode with Adam Frucci, the creator of SplitSider.com, a comedy-centered website, and he talks here about joke thievery and also just integrity as a joke writer. I'm generally a joke theft skeptic. I think that most joke theft accusations are bullshit. And come from a pretty bad and selfish place. And mm -hmm. it almost, it's like, yeah, it's happened. Like Joe Rogan, Carlos Mencia, sure. Right. But it's also, a lot of the times, I think it's either parallel thinking happens all the time. All the time. I think just people hearing stuff and not realizing they heard it. And it's just, it happens if you're in the comedy world. And, it, you know, it's not a malicious thing. And it's right. also like not actually hurting any, unless you're stealing some sketch that was on youtube with 300 views and putting it on snl mm -hmm. like accidentally uh having a joke that's similar to a joke you heard three years ago it's like are you are you taking money out of that other <laughs> comic's pocket like are you taking food out of their mouths like it yeah. usually feels like it comes from a place of insecurity from the accuser's part and just like what how much value do you think each particular joke you've written has right the and i think accusing people online if you're writing you have new, material. new material, you'll be better off for it. Create things. That's one of today's themes, and that's great advice from Adam on that. This next clip is with Christina Grosspeach, a fantastic performer at the Magnet Theater here in New York City, and she talks about another one of today's themes, which is having fun, and how that relates to starting again at a new improv theater. Yeah, I mean, it takes some time, and I guess the... You know, because in every theater, you kind of have to go through the curriculum. There's almost no way to skip. But I would say don't, you know, have fun while you're in it. Don't get so obsessed with the end goal. Right. Um, because you'll kind of miss a lot of the, like, lessons and uh, along the way, I think. <laughs> and I would also say don't be afraid to do your own thing. There are mm -hmm. plenty of people who maybe haven't made house teams at Magnet, at Pitt, at, at UCB, who have pitched their own shows, and that's, like, become a mainstay. Um, yep. So you've got something cool inside of you. Don't be afraid to do it. 
and even if you don't feel like you're getting the approval in some very set standard way, that doesn't mean it's not worthy. Gosh, that is great advice for anybody, right? Keeping with the theme of having great people from the Magnet Theater, this is a clip from the episode with Megan Gray. Here she talks about the importance of having diversity at your theater. I love what she has to say in this clip. Yeah, visibility is so important, and mm-hmm. it really, um, and also to have a group, like, just what I found from as a woman doing all female shows, mm-hmm. uh, you can find yourself in uh, a more relaxed space or maybe saying things you normally wouldn't say if they were, I was on a team with all men. Right. So there's sort of like pushing the boundaries of what you can say on stage in a safe space with other female improvisers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so I, that's the feeling I get. And I hope to give that feeling to maybe other um, people who feel that they are not a majority in the comedic. Their voices are not the majority right. in comedy. That was from episode 46. We skip over episode 47, the Comedy Shop Talk episode, to keep this awesome people of Magnet train rolling. This next clip is with Katie Berry of Magnet and a third guest from North Coast. She is fantastic, and here she talks about having confidence on stage. There's no better person to learn about confidence from. Ugh, I would just put on like pump up jams in my earbuds and be like, you are going to fucking do this. Like, okay. I would, I just, I felt like because I got such a late start, mm-hmm. I had no time to waste mm-hmm. and I needed to prove myself immediately. Where do you think uh, that confidence came from? Uh, I think it was um, before I moved back to New York, I spent a few years in California and I was just like very unhappy there. And I, um, it, it, I just felt like it was the realization that like, you have to make your own happiness and you have to be the change you want to see and mm-hmm. be bold. And it, it just kind of like struck me that if I didn't have faith in myself, then I really had nothing. I should just fucking roll over and be a housewife. Like mm-hmm. you, I was like, I have to believe in my talent and like let myself love myself enough to believe I I deserve to be happy and that I could do this. We gotta have confidence folks and it starts with just believing that we can do this and you can. This next clip is from the episode with musician Neil Brooks, a good friend of mine from back home in Greenville, South Carolina and he created the music for the theme song. Though he's a musician, we end up talking a little bit about comedy in particular about joke theft. Yeah, it's like somebody taking, you know, uh, I don't know if this works this way, but maybe uh, someone's famous recipe and and taking the, taking each ingredient apart right. and using the same ingredients and then make and then saying I cooked it a little longer, but you uh-huh. know it's different now. Yeah, you know? or they like switched one thing. It was like, well, I didn't put time in it. I know jokes work the same way. I followed a lot of people who, you know, there's a lot of comedians lots of real famous comedians especially now um who have used a lot of prior you know 
I don't want to say inspiration, but they'll just reword a joke sometimes. I liked his recipe analogy there. That was a fun episode. I really enjoyed nerding out with him. This next clip is from the Mother's Day episode where I spoke to my mom and I asked her what advice she would give other parents and loved ones of people who want to pursue a career in comedy. Here's what she had to say. Well, if, if the child or, you know, whatever, uh, somebody that you're close to that's moving away, make sure they have a plan and um, try to be supportive. Just try to be, even though you may be frightened, you try to be supportive and because uh, everybody needs that. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to know that they have somebody behind them, supporting them. Um, so just try try to be positive and not negative, because mm-hmm. that's that's the that's what can destroy or lift somebody in anything. My mom's adorable. It's a fact. This next clip is from a discussion I was having with actor and improviser from Savannah, Georgia, John Brennan, about how someone can continue to push themselves in their career while not skirting their responsibilities in their home life. It's a really great chat. Check this out. Well, you know, we don't do vacations. I mean, to be honest mm. with you, you know, this is me driving right now would be the equivalent of my Sundays going out to the bar and watching football. And, you know, things that I would like to do or did before we had a child, Mm -hmm. you know, or like big vacations, you know, that's one of the perks of when we moved to Savannah. Like, great. We live in a location where we're close to the beach Mm -hmm. and people come to us. We're a destination and it's relatively affordable to live. And, -hmm. you know, that's a sacrifice. You want this to be your career. And I do. So on a Wednesday, I drive to Atlanta, do a casting director workshop of someone who I auditioned with quite a bit and now I'm driving back this now I uh, now I'm when Sunday rolls around I can't be like honey you need some golf time for me (laughs) golf would be my thing but no this is my golf day like this is it John Brennan gives great advice that anyone can take that applies to everybody you can still be passionate about your work and your job and still be a good spouse and a good parent a responsible parent That is the lesson to learn from that. Really, really great. Here we are, folks. The last clip of this episode celebrating one year of the There It Is podcast. It has been an amazing year. Thank you so much to everyone who donated and supported over the course of this time. Uh, I have learned so much and gained so much personally from this, and it's all because of your support. So thank you so much. We end this episode with a clip from last week's episode with stand-up comic Will Miles. Here, he talks about the right attitude to have when approaching a career in comedy and trying to progress and move forward. I think it's quite apropos. A lot of people are like, but you're like already headlining clubs, you're a professional already. Why'd you take a class? I'm like, first of all, you can never not learn something in life. Gosh, yeah. And also, I'm at the sort of the point in the career where I've gotten some bit parts already and I've mm-hmm. had writing jobs now, but like there's a step. There's all there's all sorts of steps with every career. And it's like, sure, I've been doing stand up for that long and I really love stand up. I'm 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 where I want to be as far as stand up uh at the current moment. There's always places to grow in it, but I I like where I'm at is where I should say. I'm not where I want to be, but I, I like where I'm at right now. 
Well, that's it, folks. One there it was. Year. There was <laughs> one year of doing the There It Is podcast. I hope you enjoyed all of those clips. And here's to another year. Yes. Hopefully staying at weekly, but you know, it's always a constant struggle. But you've done it weekly since you started. That's true. Um, I, you know. It's, and you have struggled. I have struggled to Mi get amor. people on. Oh. Or whatever. No. But like, um, you know, it's been you really, hustle. Yeah. You know, well, the thing is, it, it ha- I've joked, it hasn't really been that hard to get people on because people have said yes yeah, so quickly cool. and yeah. they've been really great guests. If you say no, they're not cool. <laughs> Those are the rules. Uh, but seriously, thank you to all of the guests who have been on if you happen to be listening. You're welcome. And, um, and, and thank you to Justina for being so supportive through all this. And... Um, Oh, what's this? Justina's getting down on one knee? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That'd be the worst way to try to do a proposal. Can you imagine? <laughs> on a podcast oh where no one God. can no see one it. No one can see it, yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, uh, next week is a fun episode, and the week after that will be as well, and the week after that, and then uh, a year week from after now. That, and the week after that. Yeah. You'll hear a clip from each of those episodes a year from today. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much, and until next time, be they- good to each other. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've listened to your podcast so much, and it's always that you admit. <laughs> be good to each other. <laughs> the music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.